DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Steve, we got a lot of smoke in the air here that tells me uh, things are still dangerous in Northern California. Is it true in Central California, too? You know, it was interesting. About two or three weeks ago, uh, for the first time, you could see the sky. It was blue, and and then all and that lasted for about three or four days. I don't know where this smoke is coming from. Because the most immediate fire that was, you know, about thirty minutes from here has been pretty contained. So yeah, it's really bad, really, really bad. I mean, it's just dark and uh, not very healthy to walk around in or play golf in or do anything in. So uh, hopefully, it's going to go away soon. We need some rain. Is what we need. A lot of rain. Speaking of rain, Jimmy Bucket, Jimmy Buckets, they call him. Jimmy Butler, I made the mistake. Really, it's actually accurate. He was raining down so many shots, man. I'm not sure, literally, after all the years of watching these finals, I've seen a better performance than the one Jimmy Butler had in Game 3. Yeah, he, he played with such purpose. And the fact that he, you know, he, there were no three-point baskets. I mean, that's kind of old school. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists. It was incredible. And just a certain toughness. And you, you, you've all heard all of the, the comments and things. But, uh, you know, a, a guy that's pretty misunderstood, it hasn't always been easy for him in this league, but he's really found a nice niche. He's in a great staff and on a team that uh, he's appreciated and his leadership. And uh, it's, it's been fun to kind of get to know a different side of him listening to his interviews or just a maturity there, even in losses that uh, I had not seen before or read about maybe more than anything. So, uh, yeah, it's been pretty special, and uh, how he got it done is pretty incredible. So Miami's uh, put themselves right back in a, in a position. I mean, they, it was kind of a must-win, uh, down two guys, great storyline, and uh, fun to watch. So, can he do it three more times? Or is there another way for them to win? Or this was a one-off and the Lakers are going to win four straight series, four games to one? You know, my my first thought is that as good as Butler's performance was, the Lakers, you look at four of their five starters, really struggled. And and I'm not sure why. Uh, And you can give credit to Miami defensively and changing defenses and doing certain things. But I think if they continue to play Dwight and AD together, they, they really make it easy for Miami because, yes, Dwight has gotten some dunks, and he's going to get four, six, eight points around the basket. But it's one guy they don't have to guard. That's one more guy that can guard AD. And AD is he gets stuck kind of in the no-man's land. He, he gets in that 12- to 15-foot range, which we've seen him shoot the ball, but now they're sending two people at him. And so I, a part of it, I believe, is L.A., the way they're attacking this thing. And I'm not saying Dwight Howard hasn't played well, because he has. He's done a lot of really good things. But when they're not getting stops and generating points and getting out on the fast break and doing those things, which they weren't, then they gotta, then they got to refocus on the half court. And the half court offensively, when you are playing those two bigs together, he, he, it, to me – 
to me, AD looks a little bit lost. He just he just gets in that middle area where yes, he can make shots, but he's easier to double. And and then of course Caldwell Pope and Green, uh, you know, shoot the ball really really poorly. I mean, Green's 0 for six from the um, 0 for six to the field, 0 for four from the three. Pope is one for three. So it all lends itself into it. So I believe the Lakers, in terms of their attack, they have to make some adjustments. Uh, when they're getting stops, guess what? They get on runs. And Miami came down, shot 51% from the floor. That's fewer transition opportunities. And so L.A. lives on transition baskets. They, they live on good defense and getting them easy, easy baskets. But they weren't getting those yesterday. They had to do it in the half court, and they were not very good in the half court. Part of it, I think, is with how they're running things and in and, and terms of trying to play two bigs at once. Just, I mean, and I know, I know that uh, the big fellow only played 15 minutes. Okay? I mean, I, I understand that. But still, when he's on the floor and they're not getting transition baskets, it's hard for L.A. to score. So I always loved gamers. Guys like you coached one in Travis Hansen, no question. I mean, this guy, no matter what the circumstances, he had no fear. He had the ultimate confidence, and he was going to compete to the highest level, win or lose, good game, bad game. You knew as far as the competitive spirit that you're always going to get from Travis. I'm seeing that from a 20-year-old Tyler Hero. I'm ready at 20 years old to call this kid a gamer. Agree or disagree? Oh, no, I agree. I mean, he is, uh, <clears throat> number one, uh, he's young and he looks really young, uh, but he's so experienced and he's got a great relationship. I know he spent the summer with Butler. He's he's just got, he, he gets it. I mean, he has such great skills and such a great feel for the game. He never seems in a hurry. That's very uncommon for young players. And he's not afraid of any moment, I'm telling you. I mean, He's going to miss shots and things are going to happen. But again, he's got 17 and three and two last night and hits a couple of threes. And what happens is that when he and Robinson are knocking shots down, that floor gets big and it gives Jimmy Butler an opportunity to roam and, you know, and take, take the basket, take the ball to the basket, get into that mid range area, which he likes uh, when things get spread out with those two guys. But Hero is a guy that's going to be, you know, if he stays healthy, he's going to have a great career. So most you know most people they had no idea who he was, and uh, very 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 special player. I completely agree. He's never in a hurry. Great skill set. Not afraid to compete, uh, and you know not as over over emotional. I mean he just plays the game at a real even keel, and uh, impressive. Very very impressive. And you can see. I mean you get the other two guys back, Rogers and and Adebayo. I mean. They're, they're going to come back probably at some point. I, I think Bam's definitely going to come back, probably come back the next game. Uh, these guys have gotten a little bit better while they're gone. It's going to be even that so much more difficult. So I'm curious what some organizations or GMs or coaches see in players and what others do. And I get that these guys are young and developing, so they get overlooked in the draft. It's hard to know. But how does Jimmy Butler play for four teams in four years, and every one of those four teams either matches or exceeds their best performance 
pretty much in 20 years. I mean, his last year in Chicago is the only playoff team they've had in five years. They move him to Minnesota, and they win the only playoff series they've, or they go to the playoffs for the only time since 2004. They've been in the lottery every other year. They move him to Philadelphia, and Philly's in Game 7 in the second round. And the last time they made a conference final was in 2001 when the NBA Finals with Iverson. And they go to Miami, and now Miami's back in the NBA Finals. Why are people giving up on Butler? I get why you overlook a 20-year-old, but when you're 28, 29, 30, 31, how do you play for four teams in four years, they have their best year, and you keep moving? You know, I, I don't have an answer to that question because I don't have any real inside information on him, but just looking at experiences I've had, um, some guys are hard to coach, and when, especially in, you know, except Philadelphia, who had significant talent, um, by, by the way, I mean, the, the, the world could be completely different uh, if that, you know, shot's not made at the buzzer and Toronto beats them at the end and, you know, all of a sudden it's the 76ers who go to the playoffs and who knows if Jimmy Butler doesn't win an NBA championship with the 76ers. But th- that didn't happen. But the only thing I can think of is that there were either chemistry issues perceived real, I don't know where they were, a guy that's very difficult, maybe with coaches, uh, and, and speaks his mind. Not not that he's being belligerent or uh, unfair, but he, you know he speaks his mind, and a lot of people don't speak their minds. And, and he says what he feels, and that could be offensive, uh, that could be uncomfortable for a coach, for a GM, for players. And and you're right, in all of those situations, he got those programs to places where they wanted to be. My only guess is. We don't want to pay that cost and deal with that. And, uh, and I have nothing to support that. But all I can think of is that he, he was a difficult guy to be around because he probably made people really accountable, coaches, GMs, and players, and spoke his mind. And a lot of times people just don't want to hear that. Whether that's what it was or not, I don't know. But it would seem to me that just looking at the big picture – that seems to probably be what it was because he kind of got a bad rap everywhere he was, but maybe it wasn't nearly about as much about Jimmy as it was coaches, players, and everyone around him who, you know, were buying into what he was saying when they should have been listening. And so we'll never know, uh, but he has. One thing he's mentioned, he's had an impact everywhere he's gone. He's made teams better by being there, and I think he loves the work ethic in Miami and the culture there and where people are very, very accountable. And starting up with the president down to, to, to the trainers, uh, everybody is accountable in that organization. It's hard to do that sometimes in the NBA, where everybody's held accountable. You see that in college, you see it in high school, but at the next level, it's hard to do that to superstars. Jimmy Butler, he knows he's a great player, but he, you know, I don't think he looks at himself and says, hey, I'm a superstar. You know, that, that's not who he is, man. He just gets down and gets it done, and he does it daily. And so those are the things that I would think that uh, have made people – he's made people uncomfortable because of the accountability piece. People don't like that. You know, people don't like to hear what they don't want to hear. Uh, possibly if he did it in a more a different way, and, you know, maybe everything would have been fine, but he was pretty outspoken. Good for him. He found an organization that has the same kind of core values that he has off the topic a little bit, but how much do you think the success and publicity and exposure BYU football is currently receiving can help its basketball program? I think it's all good. 
I think that basketball program right now has had a lot of really positive publicity the last year uh, and what they've done and, and how not just how the school is marketed, but what Mark Pope has done and the fighters and how they played and just uh, where the program, how they finish. But I think any time you get that kind of exposure from the football program in the fall, it, it just it, it brings a light on all the sports. You know, and when we know, you, you all know better than anybody, you start looking at the volleyball programs, you know, you start looking at the cross country. There's, there's nationally, you know, prominent programs in that, in that school. And, and certainly football is one that gets most of the attention. You know, obviously basketball gets a lot of attention, but football is kind of king. And so when they're being successful and they're being looked at, you know what happens too is they start looking at things on campus. And the next thing you know, they're looking at that amazing practice facility the basketball team has to play on or they're looking at uh you know world-class runners or they're they're you know they're looking at different things about the institution and all of a sudden there's a really really positive light on the school because of the success they found we'll we'll see you know we'll see what happens they i mean when i've watched them play i mean everything's in sync and until it's going to be hard really to tell i mean you can tell they're organized the culture's great that they're playing well I mean, there, there's great chemistry there. There's a lot of confidence, and uh, they're throwing the football, which everybody wants to see, and, and they're doing it at a really, really good rate. Uh, I, I, they're going to get a chance to play Boise. I have no idea how they are. I don't, I don't know if Houston's any good. But at the end of the day, they're doing everything that's expected of them. Uh, they have no control over that schedule. I think the fans are enjoying it. I think the more you win, the more confident you get in everything that happens. So there's nothing but win-win there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Coach Sataki and all, all of the coaching staff, what a great opportunity to, uh, to really, really make a, um, a statement here, uh, regardless of the schedule. They had no control over that. Everybody they played, and they put up such amazing numbers. I think it has a good impact on the entire university, but I think it really solidifies this program as one that, for the future, is going to be really, really good. I think every everybody everything seems to be in place, and and they're playing like the fan base loves them to play with. They're throwing the football. So, under watch. Uh, I think obviously at some point in time, whether it's this year or next year, you know who knows. They may get into a bowl game this year. They never could have gotten into uh, because of the schedule, and, and have an opportunity to play somewhere that they may not have got an opportunity to play had they had a different schedule. So doors are opening. Uh, they're playing well. Coaching staff's doing an awesome job, and, and everybody seems to be together. So uh, I don't think we're going to see schedules like this year in and year out. Coach Tom Homo has, has really put together challenging schedules and playing big-time opponents. But uh, I think if you're a BYU fan, uh, you're, you're loving the success. But more than that, you're loving how watching them, just watching them play with great chemistry and great energy and great confidence. Okay, Steve, last thing before we let you go. Uh, football coaches are the most paranoid. I think a lot of people were. But football coaches would use those big laminated play sheets to cover their mouths when they called signals. Because they're all feel, yeah. they all figure, and honestly, you know, the Bill Belichicks of the world are trying to shoot their lips and then match it up to the play and steal, right? So that now there's no fans at games. It's so quiet. We're hearing all kinds of stuff from players and coaches. It's outstanding. It's very entertaining. Are, do you think coaches are so paranoid that they've modified what they're saying, or does this kind of show that all along it wasn't that big a deal? 
Um, do they have to clean it up? Would they be swearing even more? PK's theory on little league coaches when they're mic'd up, they behave much better. <laughs> what what is the truth? What did it sound like before versus what we're hearing now? Oh well, I, I'm telling you that uh, it's a little different. <laughs> I mean, I've been in now, and I'm not talking about BYU. I'm just talking my experience as a coach and my experience of being and going different places. Uh, it, it certainly is a, is a little bit different in terms of uh, vocabulary and intensity. That uh, uh, the paranoia that comes from uh, all coaches, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I mean, we all have different things in our lives that. Uh, seem to unravel us, but uh, no, it's, it's so different now. And, and I'll be honest with you, it takes, I mean, I'm just watching this NBA, and you've been watching this, to have no fans, to get into that moment where there isn't a great deal of energy. I know they put people's faces and they have some canned noise, uh, but you know what, that, that's not easy, and especially when you're not playing well and you're looking for a crowd. You know, you know how it is. You can turn the series around. You go 0-2 on the road, and you come back home, and you don't have any confidence, and you got 20,000 fans, and you got so much energy, and everybody gets to kind of share how they feel on the floor and off the floor, and boom, before you know it, you got that confidence back. You got that mojo back, and they don't have that. When, when you get down, it's hard to get back up, and it, it just, it's the 20 guys in that, in that locker room that have to really, really come together. That's why, to me, I mean, I believe the Lakers win this series, as we talked about before, in five or six. But if there was any team that could ever do it right now, uh, it would be Miami. They, they just seem to have that sense that uh, they're just so self-motivated and so together that if any team were going to be able to do it, they could. I still don't think that it's probably going to happen, but it, is not, it cannot be easy not playing in front of fans. And, uh, but I'll tell you the other thing, the last thing is the one thing about it, I just, as I've watched games and teams, I've never seen teams so close and so pulling for each other. I mean, you've got cheerleaders on the, on the bench and football. and I mean, everybody is engaged and involved, which does nothing but bring teams closer together, kind of an us-against-the-world type situation. So that has been a positive, but the paranoia never leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Steve, thanks for joining us for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Hope you get the rain you want. Thanks, brother. See you guys.